weekend. We began some weeks ago a series on spiritual warfare. Um, the reality that we fight a demonic realm who opposes everything of God, God's ways, God's plan, and uh, the last thing demons and Satan want is God to be worshipped like we just did. Um, and they oppose that. They oppose everything of God, which means as a Christian, as a child of God, you're opposed. You have an opposer. You have opposition. And it's not in the physical realm. It's in the spiritual realm. And everything that we see and encounter in the physical realm has at least been influenced by what's taking place in the spiritual unseen realm. It's important we understand that. I'd like to read a passage out of Ephesians 6. We're going to be looking at this in the weeks ahead. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. I hope in the, these, maybe these weeks ahead or this next week, you'll read all of Ephesians 6 because Paul wraps it up in verse 10 by saying, and finally, he's kind of putting a bow on it and, and making the believers at this church and us aware of something very significant. He says, finally be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done it all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for your word. We especially thank you for this passage as we consider spiritual warfare. We're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not wise enough to defeat our opposer. We desperately need you. We thank you you've told us the truth about what's really at stake. And so, Holy Spirit, teach us not just knowledge, but the wisdom, knowledge plus application. Help us to see how these truths really interwork with our everyday life so that we could, in a greater measure, walk in victory than when we first walked in this door. And so, God, we thank you for what you are doing, what you're going to do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A mental health facility had designed a couple trials to determine the readiness of their patients to leave. And there were multiple trials, but one specific one was quite interesting. They would take the patient that they were evaluating for possible release, and they would give them this test, and they would take this patient to a janitor's closet. They would hand the patient a mop, and the patient would come in, and they would find a sink overflowing with water. And they would tell the patient, here, mop up the water. What they wanted to see is if the patient was simply going to mop up or try to mop up the water or if they were going to deal with the root of the problem and turn off the spigot. 
they would then be able to determine in a little greater way whether that patient was dealing in reality or not. It would give them a little more of an indicator whether they were ready to be released. Well, anyone in touch with reality knows that you can't mop up a mess when the source of the mess has not been dealt with. In our study, I've been trying, and I believe God's Spirit's been helping us get in touch with the reality of spiritual warfare, and that is the more time we spend trying to mop up the messes in our life is the more time we're wasting because we don't get to the root of the problem. God wants to prevent us from wasting our time trying to mop up all the circumstances. He wants us to get to the root of it. That in essence, it's a spiritual battle. And if we're going to win and if we're going to walk in freedom, we need to get to the root of the circumstances that we face. And to address the root of the problem, to be victorious in a spiritual battle with where, really where the root is, we need God's armor. And Paul's concern as he writes to the believers in his church in Ephesus is that they'd be equipped for the battle. And he tells them, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, the full armor of God. And so he gets to the nature of the army, of the armor, and the armor is, it's God's. Put on the full armor of God. Not your armor, not the armor of society or the culture, because you're not going to win anything there. You need the full armor of God. Because he goes on to say, it's not just that you need his armor, but the battle's not yours. It's, it's his. And so be strong in his strength, in his might, and put on his armor. And so you kind of get a feel here really quick. But think about it, how often we try to roll up our sleeves and fight this battle. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop this. And I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to sin that again. And all of a sudden, the next day, we're like, doggone it, I didn't want to do that again. And you know what that's like, right? And you fight the same sin, and you're like, doggone, how come I can't lick this thing? But if you were to step back and say, man, am I trying, am I trying to do this on my own? I, pay attention, because this armor is nothing short of transforming when we understand what it is. We're going to look at this week and in um, a couple weeks as well. Because really what we want to do as we look at this passage is to dress for success. That's what we want to do. I used to coach girls softball, and they would get sick of me saying this, um, because when it came to games, I would always say to them, hey, dress sharp and you'll play sharp. Look sharp, you'll play sharp. And I was trying to get a principle across to them, and that is, if you pay attention to detail, if you take the extra effort to be disciplined enough to make sure you don't have your uniform hanging out and your hat all squashed and and, and you're, everything, everything's buttoned, everything's tucked in, you got your belt on, you're ready, then usually you play good. It's a pay attention to detail, because it usually carries over into success. Dress, dress sharp, play sharp. Same could be said for spiritual warfare. Dress sharp, you'll play, you'll play sharp, you'll live sharp. And by dressing sharp, dressing for success, we're talking about putting on God's armor. So if you want the job done in spiritual warfare, you and I need to dress for success. Let's look at verse 11 through 14. There's, there's basically two categories because there's a verb change that takes place in here. The first, three the first three pieces of armor in verse 11, we're told to put it on. 
We're told to dress. We're told to be girded. Verse 14 is another translation it says. It says to put on. And then we're to put in verse 14. Then verse 15, we're to shod. Is another translation of what we're told. We're to put on these certain shoes. And so there's three pieces of this armor we're told to put on. It's this idea that we're to keep this armor on at all times. But then the other three pieces we're told in verse 13 to take up. Verse 17, taking. Then it mentions another. The helmet and the sword were to take up. And so it's, it's these last three pieces it seems were to take up as they are needed where these first three were to keep them on, were to dress up in them. And if you could sum up these six pieces, you could just say, get dressed up in Jesus. Dressed up in the Christ-like lifestyle. Romans 13, 11 through 14, I think even accentuates this point even more. Paul writes to this church in Rome, he says, Hey, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. That night's far gone, the day's at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness, but that's not enough, and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that, that word, put. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. So if you need to dress up in Jesus, and the only one who ever defeated Satan is Jesus, so we would be wise to follow his example and to clothe ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ, this armor of light. So if you want to keep the devil off your back, put on the armor that God has given. Well, the text tells us why there's a need for this armor. We need it. We need this armor because we're fighting a spiritual enemy, the devil and his fallen angels. In verse 12, right away, is a word we need in our culture, especially today. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It reminds us people are not the enemy. The worst person in your life is not your enemy or your problem. The worst person in your life is not really the source of the issue. That person's only a vehicle through which Satan can work to get at you. So don't get sidetracked fighting people. They're not the enemy. Because the battle is against, not flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Think of our political climate. How hostile it is. And how you got them looking across the aisle, Republicans and Democrats pointing at each other as if they're the problems. How blind can you get? People are not the problem. The demonic deception and lies are behind it all. But for people who are not redeemed, who are blinded to the truth of God's ways, they're only left with one direction. Let's attack people. And so we're seeing this carried out right before our eyes. Our battle's not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual war, so quit trying to mop up the circumstances and get to the root of it. It should drive our prayers significantly different 
Instead of change the mind of that person or that leader, God changed the person. Transform the person. That's where our prayers should be. Because they're not the enemy. We have a different enemy. We need to understand that. Verse 11, verse 13, and verse 14, there's a key phrase. Stand. Stand firm. That's the reason you need to put on a full armor, so you may stand firm. God wants you and I to stand firm, and it's very, very important we understand that. Why? Why do we need to stand firm? Why do we need to put on this armor? Because of your enemy, verse 12. Satan's attacks come from an unseen realm. And remember, it's a spiritual battle. And if you don't use God's spiritual weapons to fight the spiritual battle, you're, gonna, you're going to war with a cap gun. And your life's going to begin to show it. That What are those cap gun? We're talking human weapons. You know, anger, positive thinking, positive confession, name it and claim it. I mean, this text tells us the futility of human weapons. Because there's schemes of the devil. Do you know that Satan has methods to trip you up? That's what schemes mean. Methodi is the Greek word. It means methods. Satan has methods for you. He has a design to trip you up. That should cause you to step back and say, whoa, this is pretty serious. He wants to mess with you. He wants to mess with your family. He wants to mess with your witness. You and I need this armor because of our enemy. He's far too crafty for us. We also need the armor because of our victory. It's the second reason we need God's armor. It's the nature of the victory Christ has won for us. That's why we're told to stand firm. It means to hold ground that's already been won for you. This is significant. The Bible doesn't tell us to attack Satan. It tells us to stand firm. Why? Because the victory's already been won. Jesus already uh, invaded Satan's domain and won back the territory Adam lost and then some. So we're told to stand firm in a sense to stand firm in the victory already won. Our job's to hold ground that Jesus has already won. Not to fight to win. We fight from a position of victory. Man, do we forget that. I think that's one reason there's so many defeated Christians. They're trying to whip Satan. And they forgot the victory's already won. They're to stand firm in that victory. In the reality that Christ has already defeated the enemy. We need to understand Satan's trying to rob you of spiritual victory, of spiritual blessings. Read Ephesians 1, especially verse 3. There's spiritual blessings we're told we already possess. We need to understand our position of Christ. Victory's already been won. Stand firm. That's why we need to put on our armor. Now, and the third reason we're told to put on the armor is because of the evil day. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You may be able to withstand in the evil day. Say, so what's that evil day. The New English Bible says when things are at their worst, that kind of gives us the idea of what they're talking about. The reality is there's times the demonic realm will unleash the forces of hell against you. That's the evil day. Those times come, you need to be dressed in God's armor. If you're naked in the evil day, you're in real trouble. Ask Job about the evil day. Read the book of Job. Satan unleashed against Job terrible attacks, evil attacks. Nothing Job could do about the losses. But he stood, he stood firm. That's what God calls you to do. He didn't let Satan budge him from the spot. Did he have questions? Yes. Did he wrestle? 
absolutely, but his conclusion through it all is, though he slay me, still I will hope in him. Job's a good example of standing firm. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul says, stand firm in the faith. Don't be moved off the spot. Have your feet strong in the victory that Christ has already won. That's the key. You and I can stand firm because our faith is in the one who not only has already won the victory, but who gives you the armor to fight the battle as you walk through this earth. He's surrounded you with protection, so hold your ground. We need armor to stand firm in the victory already won. And then we get to the names of the armor. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. We're just going to look at the one today, the first one, because there's a lot to say about the first one. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. There's a detailed thought on this. All of Scripture kind of plays this out. It, is, it seems to me guys wear belts to kind of keep things in order. Keep the shirt tucked in, keep the pants up. That, that's what we're concerned about. I, it seems women wear more for decoration, but guys out of necessity. We, we need them. We need belts. Um, because if we're trying to walk around with our pants falling down, we're going to fall. We're not going to make great progress. And if our shirts are sloppy and stuff like that, we're not dressed for success, and it will impact a lot of things. We need a belt. As a Christian, you need a belt, but it's a specific belt. It's a truth belt. It's spiritual armor that Paul describes. It's patterned after the armor and weapons of the Roman soldier that day. Now, back in this day, when they heard um, this truth belt, this idea of, of, of girding their loins is another translation, they instantly would think, of how they dealt with their tunic in warfare. They had a belt and they had a longer tunic. And when things started to get hot and they were going to battle, take the tunic, tuck it into their, their belt. It implied having a belt that there was movement. It implied that they needed it. There was a piece of armor. There was something they had that they girded a vulnerable part of their body with that helped them in war. They were prepared for battle. It allowed mobility. It allowed movement. It allowed them to be victorious in battle. But this truth belt not only held the tunic, it also had loops. They could put their swords and their weapons in it. It also did something else. It allowed the breastplate to connect to the belt so they were less vulnerable. In a word, the belt held it all together. Without the belt, they couldn't carry their weapons, they had no movement, and they were exceedingly vulnerable. You could see why it was that important. And so this truth belt, this belt they had, they needed. So they had no belt, they had no sword, they had no breastplate, they had no protection. God says in his armor, you need a belt, it's called a truth belt, because it'll hold it all together. It'll protect you from being vulnerable. It kind of holds the whole thing together. It's designed to protect and hold the rest together. Now, what's this truth? It's the objective standard of reality that stands outside our experiences and above our opinions. That standard is the Word of God. This truth is the objective standard by which reality is measured. Your opinion's never going to win the day. 
The media, the culture's ideas, they, ain't, they, ain't gonna, they got nothing for us. The music you hear blaring for the most part around us, they got nothing but even more deception. That's not going to win the day. That's not going to hold things together. That's not going to protect you. What will protect you is the truth. And so Paul says to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put on the truth belt. Because if you're naked in the day of battle, you're going to lose. You're going down. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be wounded, taken captive. When you're up against a foe who's trying to take your joy, your meaning, your future, your spouse, your family, even your life, you better go to battle with a belt on. And that belt, the scriptures say, is called the truth belt. It's needed. The belt of truth, it seems, is becoming more and more important today. It's always been important, and not more than today, but seemingly, because we live in a world that no longer accepts objective truth. We live in a day that says, well, I think, or that's just your opinion. Truth today becomes totally relative. Tolerance is the buzzword. Media, Hollywood, they've blurred the lines of right and wrong. You've heard it. What's true for you might not be true for me. That's pretty outdated. I'm not sure I want to align myself with that because it seems outdated. Thus, it may have been true then, but it's not true now. Listen, objective truth is simply this. It's very narrow. God's truth is true for all people in all places at all times. If you can grab that, you've got the teaching of Scripture. That's objective truth. That's the belt we're supposed to put on. You and I need to know God's truth. Why? Because the devil's a liar. Jesus said, at his nature, the devil and the demonic realm are liars and deceivers. It only stands then to reason if you want to walk in victory, you better have the belt of truth on. Because John 8 tells us Satan is a liar. There's no truth in him. He thrives on lies. So if he can get you and I into his environment of deception, where there's no objective truth, he'll milk it for all it's worth. Now, people say, and maybe you've said it, I don't want anyone telling me how to live my life. But you ever notice they do want objective truth when it comes to other areas of their life? I mean, they get downright upset if there's not things that are objective and true in other areas. Well, think about it. When they, when they fly in an airplane, they certainly want that pilot to have objective truth. They want him looking at the instruments. They don't want him thinking, ah, it's somewhere north. Or I think there's a landing strip around here. I'm just going to lower it and hopefully hit it. No. You want him to have a standard by which he can go by, which will get you from point A to point B and allow you to land on the runway. People want objective truth, but not when it comes to their life. They don't want to be told what to do. God's saying, listen, if you have that mindset of doing what you want to do and you're going to ignore objective truth, don't be surprised when you're taking bondage, when your life's falling apart because you try to do it yourself. God cares too much, so he provides a truth belt. Because it just seems to me people will listen to a doctor's diagnosis. They'll listen to a pharmacist say, hey, take this. This is what you need. They'll listen to a pilot, but they won't listen to God. They'll say great to the doctor's medical diagnosis. They'll say wonderful to the pharmacist's prescription that they filled or to a pilot's uh, instruments. 
But when it comes to God, they, they can't amen God. They can't say, I agree with you. And so there's a wrestling match that even our culture that's unsaved fights with. They don't even know it. I tend to look at our education system sometimes, and I'm grateful for our school system here. Don't get me wrong. But in our culture, in America, we have this fallacy of saying, hey, let's educate our children, but let's make sure there's not God's word involved. Which is odd, because can you really have true education without truth? No. You can have partial education, but you're not going to have true education without God's truth. And so that's pervasive in our culture. And so that's why it's important as parents and grandparents you're able to walk along your with your children and say, you know, that's not true. Or, yeah, I know that's what you're reading, and I know maybe that's an assignment or that's a book you're reading, but do you understand that's, that's not true? And so we need to help in that way. Because truth is the beginning point of authority because truth originates in God. That's why it's the beginning point of authority. This belt of truth holds life together. It protects you from destructive lies. It keeps us from replacing God's word with our feelings. If you want real weapons of spiritual authority, you need to be ready to say that when God's word contradicts how you feel, that your feelings are wrong. You need to be ready to say that all my friends might think that and say that. But if God says something different, he's right no matter what the other hundred friends may say. Or those co-workers at work might say, hey, let's, let's go do this. It doesn't matter. If God says something different, God's right. Okay, let me just make it real easy for everybody. God says it, it's right. If everybody else says something else, they're wrong. Real simple. And if you want victory, you better put on that truth belt. You're going to be in trouble. Satan is nervous when he sees you committed to God's truth. Because you haven't left him any loopholes he can go to. And here's the scary thing, and I hope you understand, is demons piggyback on lies. Which means we could be demon-led instead of spirit-led. That should shake you a little bit to the core. Demons piggyback on lies. Where there's lies and deception, you don't have to guess. There's demonic influence behind it. You need the belt of truth. Always need the belt of truth. It goes around the midsection because that's where our power comes from. I read a story about a quarterback who went into the offseason and he said, I knew I needed to get stronger in my core. Why? Because where power comes from, your core. People jump because they're strong in their core. They're harder to tackle because they're strong in their core. And so... In a sense, God's saying that you need to be strong in your core spiritually, so put on the truth belt. It'll protect you. It'll give you strength. But understand the truth isn't just a book. Ultimately, the truth is a person, Jesus Christ. That's why we're back of getting dressed up in Jesus. It goes back to him. He is the source of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It goes back to him. So if you're going to put on a belt of truth, you're putting on Jesus, so live by his truth. Walk around with a viewpoint that God is true. And I would encourage you to do this. It's okay to talk to the radio. Some of you, we like music. You know, you guys like music in the car, and oftentimes you louder than you'd like. I'll hear my kids coming in the driveway. I hear you. I hear that radio. And uh, 
But you would be wise to talk to the radio at times because there's a lot of it's not true. Now, I really intentionally listen to Christian music, and, and great, sure, there's a couple songs every now and then that you might not appreciate, but for the most part, it's truth. And I need a constant influx of truth in my mind. But when some songs come on, and if you like country, like you would be wise to, to say, no, that's not true. I don't care what Miranda Lambert says. That's not true. I don't care what Beyonce says. It's just not true. And so be discerning. When you are, you're keeping that belt firm. The belt of truth, God's given it. Now, some people are going to say, hey, you're narrow. They might call you arrogant. How can you say that that's true? Who do you think you are that you can say that's true? And some of the times I've had that conversation, I went, listen, don't you want narrow truth too? I mean, my favorite dentist, Ken, I don't, I don't want to go to Ken and him say, you got, you got sore in your mouth? Yeah, well, no, I'm just going to, maybe I'll just start pulling teeth. I want Ken to be really narrow. I mean, narrow that bad boy down. And so when you have conversations with people, take them back to the fact they want narrow. They really do. But where the challenge comes is you want it narrow in the way you live your life. Therein comes the real challenge when it makes them uncomfortable. And when you have a heart problem, you don't want the doctor cutting into your leg. You want them to be narrow. Get to the heart. Get to the issue. If you have someone going down the wrong way, going down the, the street, you, you don't want them saying, hey, listen, that's it, just too narrow on the other side. Figured I'll go down this side. No. You want them to be narrow. And you and I need to be narrow about the truth. Even if you don't like it, you and I need to be narrow about the truth. We need to be loving and winsome about how we present it, without a doubt. But we need to be narrow about the truth. I've had way too many times, unfortunately, people come into my office either on Monday or Tuesday after the sermon and say, I didn't like what you said. A lot of times I'm like, I didn't like it much either because it's kind of hard to live, live up to it. But doggone it's true. And we need to understand that and align our lives with it, not ask God to align his life with ours. Truth. We need to walk with the truth belt on. If we're going to defeat Satan, we need to be narrow about the truth. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way Jesus said that leads to life. Be narrow enough to say, this is true, this is not. Based upon the revealed word of God, this is true, this is not. If you do that, your chances of walking in victory are far greater. So buckle up the truth belt. Don't leave home without it, as the one commercial says. It will keep the rest of the armor in place. You see, God's truth is what sets people free. The demonic realm, in the words of Jack Nicholson, cannot handle the truth. Because their nature is lies. It's deception. Let's put a bow on this, some applications for us. God's given you and I spiritual weapons to fight the spiritual battle. So be aware of what they are, and that's why we're going to do these over these next few weeks, is that you and I can be aware of these weapons, of this armor God has given us, so we can walk in a greater victory than when we began this study. 
And again, the first thing that holds it all together is the second application. Buckle on the belt of truth. Let God's standard of objective truth govern your decision making. Wednesday night we had the Awana closing program. It was wonderful. It was wonderful to see all these children and, and, and what, what really, really got me juiced was Judson Whitaker. Judson came up here and he quoted Titus 3, 5, and 6. Nailed it. Nailed it. I thought, good. Good. Do you realize all the verses that were taught all our children this year at Awana, that's why I'm dressed, dressed for success, right? All that was taught them. We helped equip them with the truth belt. We provided truth for them, and I trust all the volunteers probably were learning right along because they had to go over and over. And that's good. We need the truth. Because what really winds up happening in the day-to-day when the rubber meets the road is when the lies and deception comes, we need to hammer them with the truth. Jesus hit Satan with the truth, with the word. And so when people come, or somebody says to you, or you begin to think in your mind, you know what, if I just work harder, maybe I can earn my salvation. If that thought comes, I thought of what Judson said. But when the goodness and kindness of God, our Savior, came, he saved us not because of anything we did. He saved us by grace. That's when we smack the enemy's lies. And someone, the enemy might say to you, listen, you're the only one going through that temptation. No one understands. It's okay if you don't do so good. No, you can say, no, that's not what God said. God said, no temptation's overtaken me, but that which is common to man. God's faithful. He won't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. Wham! You hit the lie, you hit the deception. What'd you hit it with? Truth. And so as you go throughout your day and you're bombarded, say, God said, God said, God said, and guess what it will do? It will protect you. It will protect you from getting beat up. And maybe you don't feel like it in that moment, or I wish this wasn't true in this moment, but when you stand on it and you hold out truth, you find freedom. You walk in victory. You cannot walk in victory without God's armor, without aligning your life with truth. If you don't do that, you won't know victory. You'll always be trying to mop up the mess, but never getting to the source. You and I need God's armor to walk in freedom. Let's pray. Lord, as I began the message, I can't help but end it the same way. I'd like to thank you for this armor. Even just looking at the first piece, the truth belt, I, I, it helps me clearly see how you protect us. That your truths came to protect and provide for us, not, not to hold out, not to hinder. Lord, help us to learn that. Help us to learn your truth, to take the extra uh, moments and hours maybe of disciplining of whether scripture, memory, or reading, God, that we would know the truth that can set us free. Lord, give us all, every person here, young and old, an incredible hunger for your truth. Lord, that would flow out of a great zealousness to bring you glory in every area of our life. 
And we know none of this is possible without the power of your spirit at work in our lives. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.